I started drinking light beer from Miller a couple of years ago. I started drinking it because I heard it was less filling. But you know something? I kept on drinking because it tastes so great. Now, I don't care what you guys like about it, as long as you like it. Hello, Mickey. Got a light? Sure, doll. What's a nice girl like you doing in a commercial like this? Light beer from Miller. Everything you always wanted in a beer and less. From the five to the six, we be in the mix. With that rare candy paint job on the whip. I need food for the kids, money for the rent. Fuck a lockdown, baby, I can't do that shit. And I don't never vote, cause I'm fucking broke. And either way, I know the police ain't gonna leave me alone. On a plane, by the visit Glen Rock. Need crypto, told me I should bring the Glock with me. So I packed up my piece and I'm sliding. Cause we might get caught up in a riot. Middle finger Trump, middle finger Biden. Fuck a left, fuck a right, is you riding? Do you love to see it? Dudes rocking. Ain't no politics, baby, we just talking. From the birds to the bricks, we be in the mix. With that rare candy paint job on the whip, who you with? No, 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 no I'm, I'm definitely glad. Cause you know what? Here's the thing, dude. Connection issues, they happen. But like, what would yeah. my camera do? What would my camera do? Yeah, he'd find a way find a fucking way dude you find a way so we were talking right we were talking and i'll phrase this different because I, I you know it's this isn't coming out in october it'll be out early november but you know i've been okay. doing some horror doing some horror stuff doing some uh and i still love my hard-boiled detective noir kind of stuff i love all oh, yeah. that i love the pacing of it but you were t we were talking about when those two genres horror and noir could could intersect and how good it can be now you said angel heart I have to say, I'm I'm not a fan of that movie, but I I, I don't know. I I tried, but Listen, it was that's that is understandable because the first time I watched it, I didn't like it. Like it it had to, it had to grow on me, but now it's one of my favorites. You you know why I think it is? I think the minute New Orleans voodoo stuff happens, I usually check out of everything. I don't know why. I just that aesthetic to me is always just like gross to me. I don't know what it is. Well, you know, I'm I'm like that about like uh. I'm like that about like Iraq, Afghanistan war yeah, stuff. Totally. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's because like I was alive and semi-aware while it was happening. But yeah, anytime there's a movie or a show about that, I completely fucking check out. Yeah, yeah. When you see like the green, the green computer text, it's like Fallujah on the thing. You're like, oh, great, sick. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I I was saying this though. The reason I I, I said, I, and I, I was posting about this the other day because for the fourth time I watched Polanski's Chinatown. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is not a horror movie, right? It's, of course, it's not a horror movie. However, it has a horrible ending as far as what happens. It's horrifying. What happens? What happens at the end? From the yeah. from the from the meeting with John Houston, uh, the final meeting with John Houston uh, on the little in front of uh, in front of the house mm -hmm. to, to to the ultimate uh, death of uh, Faye Dunaway, the the that is horrible. Because, but I, I would say your second viewing of Chinatown, your second viewing of Chinatown is actually scary as fuck when you know the ending. Because, oh yeah. Because it's so beautiful. The first time you watch it, you're distracted with how beautiful it is. Especially me, a California lover, California supremacist. Just the old mm. California Steinbeckian look to it. It's so cool, especially the Orange Grove stuff. Then, mm. but like when you know that, then you're blindsided by the ending, and you're like, I, "What?" And then, but then when you're when you know what's going to happen, that tense, the mu the music starts to pop out a little bit more. Yeah, the score and stuff, and it's really, really creepy, man. Like it's mm -hmm. really creepy. That's just Polanski, though. Yeah, no, but it, yeah, that that guy, he's incredible at building dread. But I mean, yeah, he you know he also like did the Ninth Gate, which is a much a far less celebrated movie of his. 
uh, and rightly so. It's you know it's no Chinatown, but it's much more explicitly uh, infused with horror than Chinatown was. You but know what? Speaking, if, it was, if it was made in 1968, though, I bet you it would be as good as Chinatown. Oh yeah, I'm I, possibly, probably. I mean, when he, you know, if he was younger, he was hungrier, uh, and yeah, just the the way that movies were made back then. Yeah, I would be. Oh man, well now now I want to imagine how that movie would have turned out if he'd done it back then. No CGI, because that's what that's what kind of the CGI. I think the scene, the 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 end scene, the sex scene with the CGI flames is cool, but like I get why that might kind of throw you out of the Polanski vibe a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's a even for a Polanski movie, it's a very slow burn, and it is like uh, it's a very sensual movie, and I don't mean that in the sexual connotation, although there is that, but I mean like the whole movie is him interacting with these with these things, and like you can. You can feel the pages of the books. You can smell the cigarettes that he's smoking. You can taste oh. the cognac. You know, like all the like all these all these like sensory experiences he's having throughout the whole movie. Like the that they they try to dial you into that, which is one of the things that I like about it. But for a lot of people, I I, I could understand how that would be like a snooze fest. Oh man, we I remember you I was asked I was talking to you about it and you had said it's a slow burn, but I was like to be honest, it it, it is, but I I don't maybe i just like a slow burn i don't know maybe i do i, I just maybe I, maybe that's what i'm into but there's that that scene when his hotel room's been tampered with and he's just looking mm-hmm. frantically through it um it's just it's so it's so wonderful and, and like like i said i just i think you know getting, even getting back to to chinatown like to me that that movie is like a steinbeckian horror noir like what's it, it's it is like a steinbeck book like that that never existed that maybe polanski only had like an advanced copy of i love like fantasizing about that where it's just like yeah he found this secret scroll of like a john steinbeck like incestual kind of like like because you look at the story of chinatown it's kind of like you know, there's definitely some like leftisty kind of like, well, should the public have the water? Should the private company have the water? So I could see yeah. that being a Steinbeck situation. And then the kind of like metaphor for like, oh man, to to climb up in this in this LA, this this burgeoning town of LA, you got to do a bunch of incest, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Like that mm. that was that always struck me as that. But I I just I just I, I was fascinated watching it again after I finally knew. You know, for the I think it was the third or fourth time I had seen it, just really just honing in and going like, man, this is actually really scary. This is really scary, like because it's a movie. It's a mystery movie to where the ending matters. I mean, it it totally matters on Mm -hmm. first watch, but it's actually it's actually your second and third time around. It's like the ever the the rest of the movie becomes better, which isn't always the case with a mystery or a noir, you know, like, cause mm-hmm. it's just, you know, when, when you, when you blow your wad already after watching it a first time, but I could watch that movie over and over again. Oh yeah. Well, and I, I remember, I remember seeing you post that about it being like a lost Steinbeck mm-hmm. book. And that's such a great insight. Not only just, you know, just from watching it and, you know, getting, getting a lot of the same, like, it's it's evocative in the same way because Giddis is going through like these like dusty, impoverished kind of barren landscapes and like uh but then like go going uh going into these opulent uh uh these opulent places. But the the writer, I forget I forget his name, he said like he wanted to encapsulate the great uh noir theme that behind any great fortune is a great crime, which is yeah, I would say a a, a Steinbeckian uh, oh yeah, kind of idea. 
Absolutely, absolutely. There's, and then just mixed with the the element that Steinbeck never had was just the suspense, the suspense mm-hmm. of of Polanski, which I just no one's done it better. I don't think yeah. like it just just. I mean, I mean, he's probably my favorite of anything uh, a filmmaker, just for the sheer amount of movies that I love and like risks that he took and 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 um, but still having a recognizable formula that you can mm-hmm. just easily see that like watermark that like kind of you know just imaginary watermark on all of his films but um, yeah. I, I will say uh, guys welcome back to the gain of fiction lab this one's gonna be a little bit different this is volume 21 this is gonna be different because this is about a guy this is not about a book um, detective Wolfman and I have been uh, doing reconnaissance work uh, for the last couple months on on the, the great Mickey Spillane. Now, um, they say never judge a book by its cover. In fact, I, 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 I almost do the opposite. I, I look at the cover of a book, especially a classic pulp cover. I, I pretty much just get it every time yeah. like and I, I just i just get it and it's like i know that even if i hate it it's like at least i have this cool looking book in my house you know like that's 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 really cool but this is episode number 21 uh a number you know the haters said we'd famously never get to uh not to keep calling back to them but we are if episodes were years we'd be at a legal drinking age uh um, hey, we're done fuck them man blackjack baby exactly exactly blackjack blackjack and and we're not stopping um for, for this one uh you know I, there was no there was no better there was no better guest no better person to assign mickey splain to than detective wolfman and i was surprised that um you had not read him before no he's one of those you know whenever you get into any kind of you know any kind of hobby or interest you know whether whether it's you know literature or music or you know any kind of art when you're when you're diving you know when you when you develop your taste and you're doing deep dives on the people and the things that you find interesting there are always some of those like classic those classic guys that you miss because there's just you know mm-hmm. there's just too many places to start and he was one of those like i my the the first one i grabbed was chandler back in the day and so he was the one i dove on and i think for a lot of people when you go back to like that that sort of trinity of like Hammett, Chandler, Spillane. The first one you encounter is usually your boy. Uh, I, I think it's that way for a lot of people. But uh, like I, I, I dig Chandler. I love the Marlowe character. But in just the in the little bit of Spillane that I've been reading, like I mean this this guy, it's no it's no wonder he's uh, he's a, a titan of the genre because he is something special. God and it, the formula, just that, like it's it it just I just picture a giant factory that says Spillane on the side, and it's just yeah. this 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 factory that that nobody like you know like I had a um like I I love Ritz crackers as a snack right yeah but I'm also mm-hmm. a, a hippie weirdo about food so I'm always like kind of per- I look at the back of the the box and I'm always just like man I gotta be able to find this cracker but with like a healthier alternative for it there just mm-hmm. there just isn't. Like the no. Ritz cracker has the buttery, flaky texture and stuff, and that's how I feel about Mickey Spillane. Where it's like there are more talented writers, one thousand percent. There's no when I when I read any all of his books, I was never like, "Wow, I am witnessing talent." But what you are witnessing is greatness, right? Yeah. Because those two do not go hand in hand. He he, I will say he probably. I don't know what Raymond Chandler's sales were. They're very high, and they and they and people still buy him regularly to this day. But mm-hmm. in, while they both were alive, Mickey Spillane ran laps around him sales wise, and oh, and, yeah. and churned out volume after. He was like Louis. He was a lot yeah. like Louis. 
I mm-hmm. thought. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, far more prolific. And one of the things that I love, and this probably comes from so much of the so much of the noir and crime that I've read, has been L.A. based. Uh-huh. Uh, some of that's by choice, some of that's by accident. But you know, Chandler, you know, he wrote L.A. fiction. Elroy, you know, my favorite, naturally, El, you know, L.A. fiction. Uh, one of the things that immediately, like, that immediately grabbed me was that all the Spillane stories I've read are set in New York, the Big <laughs> Apple. It's a whole other dog. It's a whole other sensibility, and it lends itself so much to like. With LA fiction, there's always going to be even if, even in like no matter how sleazy or how like brutal it gets, there's always like an element of like romance mm-hmm. and of like a a, 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 lo- a longing for like like the 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 golden age. Uh, in Spillane's New York, it is just. Man, it is just grimy. It's yeah. violent. It's cool. It's take what you can get while you can get it. You know, uh, yeah. It, it, it and it's so much fun. Oh, it, it's it's a blast. I mean, the minute I, I wanted to read a couple of his things because I knew they I knew they they'd go down pretty quick, and I and I just I knew I knew that he was a volume shooter. So you to cover him, you got you got to at least. You know, I mean, look, we're under read to cover him as it is. And I think and we've read three stories from him, you know, like yeah. it's 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 it, we're we're under read as it is. But he he's definitely a, a volume shooter. And you're so right about the grittiness of New York. Now, I'm, I'm of course, I I'm actually partial a lot to like San Francisco noir. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Which is similar to New York because San Francisco has romance and glamour, but it's also grimy and disgusting. So it's, yeah. it, it's got well, that especially grime. now. Yeah, I was just there. It's it's you know it's something, but there's like the dreariness and suspense to the San Francisco stuff, like kind of like black. Or, I know black rains in New York. That's not what I'm. What am I talking? Basic instinct, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Just that kind of like grimy, like you can smell it, kind of grossness. But like I love, I love spillane's um you know he's he's most known for his character mike hammer which we are definitely going to discuss today because what a guy i mean um mm-hmm. but what what spillane i've been watching interviews with him the last couple weeks and yeah. he i mean this guy is like an alpha rodney dangerfield if rodney yeah. dangerfield was an alpha i mean this guy I, you you would not know this was a writer he does yeah. not he does not tuck his tail between his legs or do some pompous interview he straight up is one of those guys that whatever you're drinking he put another the same thing right next to you and started talking about the game with you that's how yeah. he is Oh, just just a legend. And wait, he he has some quotes, man. He has some quotes. There's all types of really good interviews with him. But he for one, he's not an author is what his, his words. I'm not an author. I'm a writer because writers make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, fuck, that's like some Ric Flair shit. Like I, yeah. I was so into that. Um, I, He's he said he's like, I wrote to make money. He started as a comic book writer. A comic yeah. book, right? Wrote for Batman or Batman like scripts for uh, you know this what I don't know what they call those, just like dialogue bubble things for Batman, mm. uh, well, Captain Marvel and stuff. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and this just this goes to show you like a lot of people. I understand. I, I understand the idea of you know a, a, a man feeling defined by what he does for a living. Like I understand. I understand where that comes from, but man, like. Like you, you don't have to take that to the extreme. Like you can be, you can be a guy like Mickey Spillane, like mm-hmm. a guy who was in the fucking, you know, in the fucking military, hard ass, like New York dude, uh, like ass kicker kind of guy. This guy was a comic book writer. He was an actor. He was a novelist. Like he had a lot of, you know, uh, 
a lot of he had a lot of jobs that you would consider soft, but you would not describe Mickey Spillane as soft. You know, yeah. just he's just the guy out there. He has he's got a talent. You know, he's got a natural talent, and it's you know, it's a creative talent, and he went after it like a fucking bulldog. It's it's it's, it's so cool, and what he does. I would even push. I, not, I'm not. Not that you're suggesting this or anything, but anybody would put him in hard-boiled noir mystery. Would probably be the three things in his searchable categories or like the genres, wherever there. Whoever still carries his books, because that's another thing I want to get to today. Is there's people that just won't carry his books because uh, mm-hmm. because of the, of the uh, oh no the misogyny, but you know stuff stuff like that. But he he uh, I I think he's a fantasy writer. I, okay. I hey. He even said himself, Mike Hammer is not a character, he's a feeling. Are you Mike Hammer? Is he your personal image of what you'd like to be? No, he's a state of mind, I told you that. You know, funny enough, I never I never described this man. And everybody has a, his own singular image of Mike. You know, I can't I can't say that, that you have ever described him in, in great detail. How does he contrast with most people whom you see around you in your daily life, Mickey? Oh, he isn't like them. This is a hero. And as Ains said one day, he's the last of the public heroes. But he's a man who refuses to be taken down. I never, I never like to see him pushed too far without the explosion coming. He's a man who's definite in his approach to what he's doing. Takes no nonsense. He's determined and he's dedicated. And uh, with a character like that, you can pull up a good story. And there are no people around you today who are dedicated and who go after what they want and get what they want. No, there are people. There are people. Oh, yeah. They're around. But you got to dig them out. Yes, correct. So, I look, I like sci-fi. I, no, like I love that. Yeah, yeah, I like sci-fi. I like traditional fantasy stuff. It's fine. It's done, it, When it's done right, I like it and stuff. But there is that kind of, like, fantasy that's just kind of like a... Uh, turning your life up from like an eight to a 10 where yeah. you're kind of this guy like, look, you know, my camera's not filthy rich. He's not this guy driving around like sports cars and everything, but he's mm-hmm. easily the coolest guy in any conversation he's ever in. He's yes. never really in danger. He's not in danger. The people around him are in danger and he feels a responsibility to protect them. It is a superhero, right? I mean, it makes yeah. sense that he came from the comic book stuff, but it's like a fantasy to me. Like he's cooler than everybody he can kick anybody's ass. He's never tied up to a chair in a room like a noir <laughs> movie, like after he had sex with the wrong girl or something. No, yeah. it's 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 never it's never that. Mm. <laughs> no, yeah, nobody nobody gets my camera behind the eight ball. Like he's always a step ahead. Uh and like yeah, like m- more to what you're saying about like dialing yourself up from like an eight to a ten. Uh, yeah, it's it's the little things because yeah, he's not the richest guy in the in the in the world, but he's always got money in his pocket, and that's really what you want. He doesn't have the responsibilities of the richest guy in the room. He doesn't have the obligations. He's completely free, and because of his association, on the one hand. He's a PI, but on the other hand, he's got friends on the force. So it's the best of all worlds. He can maneuver in and out of the law, basically with impunity. And one of the things that I loved so much was in the beginning of I, the Jury, the first Mike Hammer novel, pretty much like immediately he tells his cop buddy who's there at this scene of the murder. He's like, I'm going to find who did this and I'm going to kill him. You know, and he's like, just so you know. 
uh, <laughs> he's telling this to the law. Yeah. And, and, and he has like a, it's not, he doesn't work for the police. He's a, he's a private detective, but like he yeah. has like a kind of a quote unquote boss, or at least a guy he has to report to named Pat Chambers. Right. Who's, who's mm -hmm. like, he's a, but it's like Pat Chambers means absolutely nothing in terms of like the power structure though. He's just like, yeah. he's there. He's like, he, Pat Chambers is a resource. He, mm -hmm. He's a lifeline. He is not the like in another classic, you know, like in in like uh, Chinatown, right? Like in Chinatown, just because we talked it up. Jake Giddies has his old partner that's on the force that he kind of has to like duck and dodge. You know yeah. what I mean? He has to he has to work around and stuff. Uh, my camera's like I don't have to work around anything. I the he's in a single player video game and everything around him is an NPC and mm -hmm. and, and it is all about. It is all about him versus the final boss who he it's funny. You get you get the idea when you read Spillane novels, all his protagonists, his main characters, they know they kind of know who did it. They kind yeah. of know who did it. But like you find out the minute that the person who did it finds out that Hammer knows who did it. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's kind of I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like Hammer, Hammer knows it pretty much the whole time. He just has to yeah. find the way. Yeah, and then yeah, it, no, that's that's exactly right. Like once the killer realizes they're fucked, that's when you learn who the killer is. Yeah, so let's talk I the jury. You just listened to a preview of one of our premium episodes, and to get access to the full thing, you got to be a paid subscriber to the Rare Candy Substack. That's rarecandy.substack.com. It's only five dollars a month, or fifty-five for the whole year. You get one month free if you do the whole year. You get access to premium rare candy episodes, my podcast, the Glenn Word, and whatever the hell else we want to charge people for. Uh, again, that's rarecandy.substack.com. Thanks again.